This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. a real hard charging sort of feeling then wasn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh yeah with zero g episode number one one eight eight it is the science fiction fantasy and historical radio show and uh, today's episode is entitled oceans 88 8 <laughs> our podcast title is paul in the family that's p-a-l-l Oh. And I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And and this is Megan's ultimate show for now. We had the penultimate show last week. Yes, indeed. And but just I'm just having a small hiatus, mm-hmm. my summer break, except it's winter, um, for three months. <laughs> sabbatical. Yes, exactly. I like that word. Yeah. Which is very sort of dark night, isn't it? When you think about it, the sabbatical man. Exactly. Okay. Uh, now today on the show, we're going to be talking about hereditary, mm-hmm. which I keep. I have to make sure I don't mispronounce that. Now that I've said it, I know that I'm going to do that. What do you say instead? Uh, hereditary. You can say it like that, You can that, say it you? like that, sort of. But they know, like to say hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. Okay. I will say the trailer for that spooked me, so ah. keen to hear your thoughts. I, you know, I don't know if I saw the trailer for I didn't see a trailer for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ocean's 88. Eight, Ocean's 8. Yes. I'm not 88. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're pretty much evenly balanced here because I've seen Hereditary and mm-hmm. you've seen... Ocean's, Ocean's 8, yeah. yep. And my uh, take on Hereditary, well, Hereditary, I said it then. <laughs> oh, dear, I'll call it Hereditary. Just remember to be a little bit posh about it. Hereditary. Hereditary. Now, if I, I sound too British, then I'll be a supervillain because that's all you need. It's sort of a, a, an upper-class British accent to be a supervillain. Not that I can ever manage that on the best of days. All right, so it's a new horror film by Ari Aster, and this is actually his feature film debut. Oh, has he done any shorts or anything we might have heard of? Absolutely, and I haven't actually heard of them, but there's one called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, Mm. which he did in 2011, um, which has a, a premise that just just sort of went, oh, oh, that's confronting. Oh. Uh, that, that, that story involved a father who was being sexually abused by his son. Oh. Yeah, bit of a, a shift on that one. And that probably tells you a lot about the take on horror that Ari Aster brings to this. Very, mm. very unusual um, and quite... Horrific, mm. challenging not audiences. Challenging, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily as scary as I thought it would be. Mm. Um, just horrific, as you mentioned yeah, before. Just horrific. Uh, it's a little bit like a combination of an, of an X Files episode and the setting for a supernatural story, okay. uh, as in Supernatural the series. Yeah. If uh, you know the Winchesters and their fellow hunters weren't in it, yeah, right. Maybe just before they blew into town to set things to right, you mm. know. Actually, if this was a British or a French supernatural thriller, it would not be out of place in the current sort of um, new wave of horror stories there. 
as it is, it is actually an American one, and it, um, I think it uh, it plays very well on the dread strings, okay, um, especially with the music. Well, right up front. Like I said, even the trailer I think really set the scene for the energy and atmosphere of the movie. So I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that it was sort of more of a dark and mm. it's not your schlocky fun horror, let's just say, <laughs> which, you know, we, we love a yeah. good zombie flick or yeah. a slasher, but it's, this looked like... It's not like Get Out, yeah. which is one of the great horror movies of the decade, or Cabin in the Woods. Or, yeah. We're not in that sort of league. This is full-on serious... Uh, as I said, supernatural mm-hmm. horror. And essentially, it's a ghost story. Okay. That's what you get from the trailers anyway. Um, it's set in a... Actually, it's interesting. I don't really feel like it's set in a town or anything because it's not. Uh, the people are living a little bit outside of town. I don't right. think we actually ever really set much foot in oh, the town. It's Great. A secluded country home. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're always the worst. Sounds about right. Um now, it's uh, not a nuclear family, not quite, or a nuclear family either. <laughs> it's it's not, not pretty close to that in some respects. Uh, Tony Collette plays Annie Graham um, and her she is the, the wife of uh, Peter Graham. Sorry, not, oh, I'm getting a bit confused there. Let me start at the beginning. <laughs> the Set gr- the scene. The Graham family has had a tragedy. Their uh, their mother, uh, Tony Collette's character's mother, has just passed away. So the grandma has died, mm-hmm. um, and boy, it's a, the kind of a funeral eulogy that she gives there is uh, it's offbeat. Right. It doesn't quite. Oh, is that what they're setting up? There's yeah, some dark secrets some in the family here going on. Okay. Uh, she is married to Steve Graham. Uh, Gabriel Byrne plays oh, I love that character. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realise he was. I th- oh, yeah. Clearly, he was not very memorable from the trailer, but. Uh, and uh, she has. Uh, the Tony Collette character has two children: um, Peter and Charlie. Charlie is actually a girl. Okay. Um, although it is very significant that she is actually called Charlie, but I won't tell you any more about that. Um, okay, now, Tony Collette, uh, as Annie Graham, we know her from United States of Tara, um, but she was also in that Krampus movie. Oh, yeah, with um, Adam Thingo. Mm. I can't his name now. Yeah. And she was in Fright Night, uh, The Sixth Sense. People forget about that one. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about Sixth Sense because I was thinking she likes to choose these kinds of, I mm. think, when she does more thriller stuff. And she's a, uh, a character in the, um, the other horror movie coming out this year, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> what is that? That is, I don't know, but it's got a great title. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay, now she is a... Um, How do I describe what she does in this? She's a miniaturist, but she doesn't paint them. She makes miniature uh, miniature studios and setups. They made that really creepy. That premise seemed very creepy from the trailer. It is very creepy. Um, She's making like um, modern sort of dollhouses basically. Yeah. Little environments. She uses clay and things. Mm. She's not a – she doesn't use action figures, (laughs) fortunately. Otherwise they would have ruined that for me. Uh, And – She's not had a happy family life. The mm. grandmother was very interfering. Mm. And there are consequences that, that spin out from all of that. Some parts of it remind me a little bit, oh, and I have to go back a bit for this, um, Gremlins. 
the first the Gremlins oh. movie. And at one Which stage, parts? you just roll in through Gremlins movie, and um, they, they they just off the cuff tell you what's happened to. Um, the father of the family who died coming down the chimney at Christmas yeah, trying to be Santa sure. Claus. Yeah, Just yeah. that little sort of tweak. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there like that. And they keep doing that enough you're thinking, oh, this is very disturbing. i tell you what, I'll give you a warning here. Um, uh, this is potentially very disturbing if mm. you come from any kind of dysfunctional family and still have issues with it. Um or have lost a family member recently and are conflicted about how you feel about that. Okay. This is going to... This could have a lot of trigger warnings. Right. Um, I think, for me, the, um, the the promise of the story doesn't quite really eventuate. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. And they kind of drop into a bit of a melee of subgenre fantasy horror cliches and tropes in the last hour or so, which I've encountered a lot before. Sure. Uh, still, they've got a lot of solidly creepy movie moves in this film mm. um, and some excellent performances. Tony Collette is just... I was trying to find a description of, of, of how she plays this. Um, <laughs> ovaries to the wall is what I'm going to say <laughs> on this one. It is just... And there's an image that won't <laughs> leave me fast. She plays the distraught mother with incredible intensity. Mm. Think Stranger Things and... Um, Winona. Winona, but more so. Wow, okay. Um, the other characters in it... Uh, Gabri- it's a bit of a slow Gabrielle Byrne in this story. Um, he's not as overt. He's not the uh, the driver of the plot in this case. Sure. And I actually think he's he's done a good job of dialing himself back a little. And staying sort of in the background a yeah, little. Yeah, like um, Tom Hiddleston in uh, Crimson Peak. Oh, yeah, yeah. A little bit like okay. that. Okay. Now, I know Gabriel Byrne from a lot of different things. Uh, I, I can remember him as one of the um, the John Borman alumni, the Irish... Um, the, the Irish gangs from uh, Excalibur. They all sort of went out from that where he was playing Ufa Pendragon. But he's been in a lot of horror movies too, like The Keep and Gothic. Mm. Uh, I can call Dead Man a horror movie, but we'll go with that. Uh, and he played Satan in End of Days. Oh, yeah. And he was in, he's in um, Vampire Academy. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Where do, you, where do you know him from? Uh, little Women. <laughs> okay. Well, there are some Little Women in this story. Um, I don't know. I've seen him in a lot of things, but I remember him... Probably when you say his name, I think of him in Little Women. Yeah. Not it, it, genre, but... And, and he's... I actually think he's... Uh, I'm having second, second thoughts thinking about this movie afterwards. Mm. There's more to it than I think I, um, I, I mean, passed at the time. I don't want you to give it away, obviously, but, I mean, what's the premise? Because you've been quite coy. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to Not be. to, yeah, give it away, uh, which look, is a it's, hard... It's a family drama. <laughs> God. Um, and you said before it's supernatural stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. you know, grandmother has died and um, that that's going to echo on through the family as they try and come to terms with the loss of the, mm, of the, mm, mm, of okay. the, the less than dear one in this case. Yeah. Uh, and there are some other traumas on the way. Mm. So, mm, you know, this is all how it's all going to play out. If I give you too much of it, yeah. I can't... It's tricky. It's not... Well, I, I could do it, but I don't want to because there's a lot... Um, that you'll discover and it's really... In this film, it's actually good to discover it as you go along. So I'm okay. just telling you things are ha- going to happen in yeah, this, right. this place. Um, and uh, 
The uh, speaking of, uh, of, of of little women, um, Millie Shapiro plays the character of Charlie, the, the little girl, uh, and she's actually she's got not much um, in the way of credits in the genre, but she did uh, some stage plays. Uh, You're a good man, Charlie Brown, and Matilda the Musical. So okay, but she has uh, a seriously wiggy stare. You know, <laughs> like yeah. she she has a presence that older actresses would struggle to bring mm. to this character. Like an intensity. Yeah, and it's it's odd. And, and I'll tell you that um, uh, she has this habit of clicking her tongue like that. Yeah. And I know I've just wigged out about half a dozen people <laughs> or, or whoever's listening who's seen that this film because that's actually used to good effect. Well, okay. You know, uh, so there's a lot of good little things like that in it. And she's a, she is actually, I can't wait to see her grow up. If she's going to do more horror movies and stuff. Well, I mean, it's an oh. interesting choice, I guess. I mean, it shows that maybe she might do some more, more dram- like intense dramatic stuff. Or... Yeah, yeah. Alex Wolfe plays Peter Graham, the teenage boy of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen him before as uh, the nerdy gamer in uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And oh, she, yes. His character was the one that, that The Rock plays later on in the game. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. And he's actually quite good in this too. Um, but the film in this in this case is weighted towards the female characters, mm. uh, which is a good thing, including Anne Dowd playing uh, a character called Joan. Um, she's kind of a, a family acquaintance. Mm. Uh, and we know her as Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale, so that gives you a warning light for <laughs> okay, the Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, hereditary here mm-hmm. uh, and the horror of it. Um, I, I do feel it, it kind of didn't get where I, I, I wanted to go, but maybe mm. I wanted to go places that it really didn't need to go. Sure. This is a, a movie that is very creepy. Mm. Um, you will find there are lots of things in it that will just basically wig you out in the, in the Buffy sense. Um, I, I feel like they did use run into too many of the horror tropes at the in the last half hour or so of the film, which really speeds up because right. it's a slow a slower burn throughout the rest of the film. Um, one of the, one of the things I really appreciated about this film was some nice little approaches to uh, cinematography. Okay. Um, there's a shot. Uh, this isn't a spoiler, really. It's just a, an artistic thing. Um, they go from um, night to day, mm. like a switch is being flicked. Okay. And, and I thought I really like that move. I thought that was a really good one. Uh, and there's a lot of. Um, following people's heads as they turn around to look at something mm. and that dread that you get of oh yeah what what's going to be gonna revealed see? yeah oh i don't think i don't think i can see this movie <laughs> um what's the scariest movie you've ever seen Megan? i'll give you i'll give you time to think about that Okay. Uh, I'm thinking on it. I'm thinking yeah. on it. I, I, for example look i'm more i'm more um knocked around by uh uh, films that um, have a, a real content than a supernatural mm. one. Um, a, a good science fiction horror movie can scare me quite well. I um, think the Quiet Place. Uh, oh yeah, that that, that that was quite um, confronting. I thought because it was a clever idea as well. 
this one this one will raise the chills. There are some decent boo moments, mm. um, which is good for good for the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and I think you just find it unsettling, disturbing, creepy, and a lot of other things that mm, uh, okay. will stick with you. Mm. Um, and one of the things I really appreciated about it, and I didn't think about this until this morning when I was doing my notes, uh, the fairly complicated um, story that's behind the horror in this, mm. um, research as well. Like afterwards okay. you can go and research it and go, oh, I see why this happened, why that happened. It's still all in the film mm. but uh, a little bit more research checks afterwards out. checks out. In, Interesting. In, I'm intrigued. I mean, look, I'm not going to see it because it sounds like the stuff of uh, disturbed, fitful sleep. A lot of the people around me in the cinema were probably more jumpy than I was mm. at it because I sort of got the measure of it and I thought I know where this is going and pretty much... Did what, what I thought, thought what I was yeah. Do. But I reckon this guy's got some chops. Okay. Uh, and I, I think that uh, I'd like to see more horror movies by him. By, I mean, know, it sounds Aster. like that's kind of his thing. Like he likes a more disturbing, dark thriller. Mm. Oh, and the sets are good too. The uh, the uh, the the metaphor of the the small. Uh, model worlds mm. that that that, that uh, Annie makes as a miniaturist. Yeah, sure. They're cool, and they have relevance to the larger world in in terms of, of different course. things. Always, always. Uh, and I think Tony Collette deserves some kind of award for this because she's really in there punching. There's a big metaphor for. Um, for grief mm. and how you cope with that and family trauma and um, uh, there's a psychological uh, metaphor as well that's to do with, I can't remember particularly, um, the dis- particular dysfunctionality that some of these characters show. Okay. And nobody tells the truth to each other. Mm. <laughs> it sounds grim. I'm not going to lie. It sounds very grim. Oh, another thing I appreciated is some of the... Uh, Action is set in a um, a treehouse that they have oh, outside of the house. It's just making all these things that should be cute sound creepy, like treehouses yeah, and miniatures. Yeah, there are no clowns in it though. But but um, the actual treehouse isn't a normal treehouse. Yeah, it's up on sort of trees, creepy stilts, like, like four or five <laughs> trees. And and the moment I saw that, I looked at that and I thought, oh, it's. Um, Baba Yaga's uh, chicken-legged hut from the <laughs> Eastern European <laughs> legends, which is always creepy yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah, uh, look, I, I was going to give this a lower rating, but I've actually talked myself into a higher rating. Oh, there you go. All the, going through it. That does very rarely happen. Mm. Uh, quite often after you get out of the movie and you just go, oh, that doesn't make sense and that was no good. It's interesting, and, isn't it? I've found that too sometimes after coming on here to talk about something I sometimes might like it a lot less once I've really thought through critically what I want to say mm. and sometimes I like it a lot more. Yeah, so I actually do like it more than I thought, uh, which is actually rare. I'm not huge on ghost stories unless they happen to involve um, uh, hopping chan- Chinese ghosts or something. This isn't you know, necessarily you know. your no, Sean, like my... favourite type of horror. Like no, no. Either. And, and I haven't seen it done uh, well in the Western world as well as it gets done in mm. uh, Japan or, or, or China or Europe, yeah. But, yeah, okay, so I'm going to give this out of a yeah, nah, maybe a, uh, uh, ooh, yeah. Nice. 
<laughs> I think I was thinking about the movies that I've seen that I think those disturbing ones are the ones that get me a lot. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I think I saw Event Horizon and that really scared me. Oh. And um, I'm House disappointed on, by that. I know. I think just because I was so young and House on Haunted Hill, which on a rewatch is schlocky and terrible. Which one? Um, the, the remake with Jeffrey oh, okay. Rush. Yeah, yeah. But all that asylum stuff and like the creepy doctors covered in blood and like that's pretty pretty full on but one of the um uh, one of the ones that I actually had to stop watching I think because it was it was really getting to me was audition oh yeah the Japanese movie have you seen it no actually I don't think it's it's uh it's unique it's pretty it's the same thing there's a lot of very messed up stuff in it Mm. or even thinking about it I don't want to think about it oh come on I mean how can you go past uh Juon yeah, you know, I yeah. I mean, that, that, that has got more clicking ghosts in it. That's true. I think, <laughs> yeah, like, because it would have been when I was a lot younger, seeing the ring, the original ring and stuff like that. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, possums sound like the grudge noise. I can, so I can definitely, scary. I can definitely do that. That's easy. This, the hereditary noise. Yeah, the hereditary noise. Um... Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, look, I'm not going to see it, but I'm glad <laughs> that you, uh, I guess, liked it. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. it, no, but no, enjoying, appreciated what appreciated. it was doing. Yeah, and I, I especially loved, and I, we're not going to play this and I won't tell you what it is, I especially loved the uh, the closing song in, uh, that ran over the titles. It just cracked me up. Oh, Okay. <laughs> This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero G comes last. Z waits alone, and it's not for a thing. Now, I'm I'm not saying that um, I I sat through uh, Hereditary totally unmoved by it because I wasn't. There's mm. few, few things did make me actually jump. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, on to uh, we we played a little track from um, uh, a little al- album that was dedicated to Dazzler, the Marvel Comics character. And she's um, just had a new comic book drop, uh, Dazzler it's called. And um, this is uh, called, this is part of X Song, kind of a story they're, they're doing. And she's basically a character whose name is Alison Blair and she was invented uh, back in the disco era for Marvel with an idea that they would be able to actually spin off uh, movies and television series and record albums. So that was the whole concept back then. Nice. Uh, so you're going to have a disco superhero. <laughs> and this is written by Magdalene Visaggio with art by Laura Braga and the cover is by Elizabeth Talk. So they're trying to do um, a bit of um, diversity here uh, and I quite like that. Um, now she sur- first appeared in... Uh, oh, Uncanny X-Men in uh, 1980, like dead 1980, so it was like disco era just coming out of that and she her power is great she's got the ability to convert sound into light and energy beams and that's a very cool disco power cool <laughs> yeah yeah exactly oh she's also uh she also is a, is a really really maneuverable person on roller skates so she and tony stark as iron man <laughs> both basically have that in common they both have um, roller skating abilities nice so anyway, um, this um, character I've seen more recently. She was one of the main characters in the all-female Avengers group A-Force mm-hmm. uh, and there were two Dazzlers in there. One was a, one from an alternate universe called 
like she was like a Thor dazzler. So she actually had Molnir that she could wield. But this one doesn't have that. Although she actually does have Molnir, <laughs> she ended up inheriting it. Uh, an alternate universe one, which she drives around with it sitting in the trunk of a car. I'm not quite sure how she got it into there, but, you know, uh, and, and does it weigh it down? Oh, this is all those conversations <laughs> that you can have. Anyway, she is a mutant, so she okay. does have some issues with the X-Men. Uh, in fact, she was asked to join the X-Men and she's turned them down a couple of times and I think she might have accepted it at least once. But She was also briefly a herald of Galactus... So is capable of having her, her powers considerably boosted. Oh, she can also create um, holograms and, uh, and, and she can fly using the, uh, the photonic energy. That is very cool. It is. Back in the 80s, actually, uh, they got com- a scriptwriter got commissioned to write a script for a film based on Dazzler to star Bo Derek, which they never really got wow. anywhere. But she has appeared in some of the animated um, X-Men and um, a few other... Uh, different spin-offs but i'm hoping that they will try and um, push this out here it's a very good little oh excuse me issue in terms of um giving us a look at her as a mutant but who's also involved with the inhumans and her concerts that she's doing and this are trying to bring together different factions uh, mutants and humans, humans, you know, the whole thing. So it's all all about um, diversity and trying to bring people and everybody else in the MCU together. And so it's about prejudice and, uh, uh, you know, I think it was as a worthwhile issue, including the the, uh, the whole idea that, um, that she can actually kind of use her powers in context to the concert. That's why the music works quite well. She's like, she gives a light show while she's yeah, doing the music. That is very cool. And, and then she can uh, use it to the energy that she's accumulated to um, fight people with only bad people, of course. I, I hope that this one continues because it's yet another example of um, a good uh, comic book, which is a, a clever idea and can be pushed into other other venues. I know this particular one, uh, I don't know whether she's going to continue in her own book, but she's going off to uh, Astonishing X-Men as well. So cool. Maybe, yeah. So it's Dazzler, the Marvel comic. Hello, this is Charlie Hayes. I've played several characters in various Big Finish audios alongside, probably more famously, my uh, Helena Bonham Carter gasp. <gasps> Do you recognize it? You're listening to Zero G on 3 FM. Zero G, you heard it here first. Um, so pretty much uh, Oceans 11 to 13 actually came out a long time ago. I was having a little look at um, last night I watched a little bit of the Oceans 11 remake, of course, mm-hmm. the one with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, and that came out in 2001. And what is the connection between um, these boots are made for walking and the original Ocean's Eleven in 1960? I don't know. You tell me. Nancy Sinatra. Is in the original Ocean's Eleven? Frank Sinatra. Ah, yes. There you go. I haven't seen the original. Frank Sinatra, Peter Lawford, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. and Joe Bishop. What is it, the original Rat Pack? Yeah, in the 1960s. But also had um, Angie Dickinson. Oh, yeah. Cesar Romero, the Joker, uh, Henry Silver, a whole bunch of people who were Red Skelton, Shirley MacLaine, George Raft. 
Uh, and this is the one that's basically the primary inspiration for the um, the reboots of yes. Ocean's Eleven, which there's three of those, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. so there's Ocean's Eleven, Twelve and Thirteen. <laughs> um, and I was saying Ocean's 88. <laughs> so, but you haven't seen any of the newer ones, have no. you? No, well, I haven't seen them all the way through. I've, I've sort of rolled through bits of them on television. Yeah. And, and, and I, I really should watch that first one because I like, like George Clooney. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the original? Oh, the original's great. Yeah. You know, it's just a Rat Pack film and if you're into that era and it's it's probably all sorts of horrible things that it now just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but what I was thinking of is... Um, and I love this term, squad comms, <laughs> uh, where you've got the uh, the girls' squad or mm. you know, first. Now, there's a bunch of films that you th- I think of when you think of like, substantially female cast in, the, in the lead role. Delights me to hear you say squad. <laughs> squad. Uh, first Wives Club, Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants, Mean Girls, 9 to 5, mm. some of which I've even seen. Yeah, well, you must have seen 9 to 5. But I'm more accustomed to things like Ghostbusters, the, the new yes, one, the yeah. uh, the Sent, the horror movie, mm. Whip It, which is one of those uh, oh, roller yeah. derby ones, Charlie's Angels, yeah. Josie and the Pussycats and Hidden Figures. Oh, those yeah. are the more movies that I know yeah, of sure. largely female cast. But there are all-women heist movies as well. Um, 1996's Set It Off with uh, Vivacia Fox, Sugar and Spice in 2001, uh, Mad Money in 2008, which I think is streaming on um, Ivan yeah. Stan on Netflix, uh, The Bling Ring in 2013. That is a great movie. And there's a, a movie coming out, uh, Widows, which is based upon the television series, the ITV one, where they had um, five or six uh, women who were sort of picking up into the heist business after their f- husbands. And, nice. You know, so there's actually quite a, a substantial subgenre there. Yeah. So what we're looking at in terms of Ocean's 8 is, one, is it um, a good sequel to the other ones, which we mightn't be the best people to judge? Um <laughs> And is it a, is it a good um, heist movie? And is it also a good uh, squadcom movie? Mm. All right. Well, allow me to answer some of these questions. Yes. Um, so, in regards to, I mean, obviously, we saw there was that Ghostbusters remake, remake. I don't know, reboot. I guess that's what we're calling them because it's parallel, not a remake. Parallel dimension. Yeah, where with the female Ghostbusters, of course, and. You know, and I love this directive where we're getting a lot of female-led comedies, and like you mentioned, I've not heard of this squad com term before. Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I'm into it. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people were really excited about this movie and I was too because I love Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. love Kate Blanchett, love oh, the whole me, cast. Me too. Um, I mean, I like the idea obviously that it would be great to have original scripts, like original, original or fresh scripts written for women. Like I don't know why we have to just redo things that are already done, but we're doing that with everything. So it's not even just like... Um, it's only in that situation that things are just being constantly remade. So, and, you know, it's a fun concept, heist movie, and it is, so it's not a reboot. It is connected to the Ocean's Eleven of um, the George Clooney era, Ocean's Eleven. How is it connected? So Sandra Bullock, who is our essentially our George Clooney character, is the sister of Danny Ocean, who's George Clooney's character Uh. from Ocean's Eleven. So, and then... There are fewer characters here. I mean, there's eight <laughs> rather than the original 11. So there's, you know, um, we'll run through those in a little bit. Sure. But essentially, 
there are sort of match. They're sort of matched up to the characters that are kind of in the Ocean Eleven's premise. But to be fair, they're the kinds of characters that you want to have on board for a heist movie anyway. Yes. So I think in terms of the procedural, as we like to say, the gathering of the crew and all of that, um, there's a few things that a heist movie has to tick off in order for me to feel like it's done its job well. Mm -hmm. And so that is the crew gathering needs to be fun. There needs to be a good array of people in the ensemble with good chemistry. Yeah. Um, and then the actual heist itself needs to be interesting with a twist and you need to be in on it enough but not in on everything. Yeah. So insofar as all of that, we'll dig into how Ocean's 8 stacks up on some of those things. But, I mean, in regards to – we'll run through some of the cast, I think, might be a good way to um, get you – immersed in it. So I still can't believe you haven't seen a, the original Ocean's Eleven. I mean, because you like a good through. heist movie. No, though. the modern one. Yeah, yeah. All the way through. All right. Yeah. Still. <laughs> in fact, I think... I mean, you've watched some weird movies all the way through. I know, but there's no zombies, vampires, well, aliens. Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, what are your some of your heist movies that you've enjoyed in the past? Oh, I mean, Ant-Man's a heist movie. There's so many of them. Uh, you know, the, the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3... That's that's about a train that's hijacked. Yeah, you know, sure. That, that sort of thing. The first great train robbery. Yeah. There's lots of trains in my heist movies. <laughs> I was always a big fan of The Town. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Italian job as well. I know. mean, yeah, original remake maybe not so much. No, no, not so much. Um, <laughs> I've actually never seen Heat. Have you seen Heat? Uh, we've... Oh God! Is Down, it, uh, De Niro and um, I'm thinking of the one, the bloody um, Sandra Bullock movie, <laughs> the comedy one. You know, for some reason, um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Ronan. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a vast genre of bloke heist movies, basically. Well, and I guess that's one of the things, right? Is that pretty much always there might be a woman involved, mm. um, like. What's her face in Inception? I don't even remember her character's name. Michelle, or Michelle Rodriguez will show up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and get involved and have a role to play. Um, but generally, I mean, heist movies are strictly um, restricted to the bros only. Oh, are there token bros in this, by the way? Um, not Possi- really, Possibly no. a Hemsworth brother? No, <laughs> quite specifically not. And I kind of liked that premise. It's a very female-focused, this film. There's okay. largely female cast, even um, the... So the essential, the core heist in Ocean's 8, it's a similar premise where Debbie's getting out of prison, um, she's going to turn her life around, but obviously she has no intention of turning her life around. Nah. Because where's the movie in that? Yeah. She pays her bills and has a nice quiet cup of tea. <laughs> Boring. So she gathers um, her partner, played by Kate Blanchett, um, who's also, you know, sort of a low-level, um, likes to cut corners, let's just say. So... You know, they kind of uh, meet up again and then Debbie shares with her this heist that she wants to pull off, which a lot of this is in the trailer, so I'm not ruining anything. And you know there's going to be a heist. So it involves trying to steal a very famous diamond necklace from during an event, the Met Gala, which is a really famous... See, now this this to me says, oh, this is interesting because I like the Met Gala. I love that, yeah. that whole costume ball sort of thing. And, exactly. You know. So, yeah, to me that, that sets is, it up. That is a left turn for you, Rob. I like that you're into the Met Gala. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's – so obviously that's also a good stage being set for getting some good celebrity cameos in there. Sure. Lots of glitz, lots of glamour, you know, dresses, designers, all that stuff. So – um, insofar as 
as that goes, a lot of the, even at the Met Gala when they do sort of the red carpet, they're mainly focusing on the female cameo celebrities that are invited along. So it's very much kind of a female-centric movie. Mm-hmm. So... Um, oh, I was just wondering with um, uh, the other Oceans movies, quite often you get the feeling that the, uh, the mark, mm. the person who they're gaming, deserves it. Well, this is the issue, I think, is... Uh, there is, I did not get that feeling necessarily. Uh, they tried to set it up more of a, there's no victim because, um, <laughs> yeah, <right>. you know. <laughs> so I think that it it fell down in a couple of those ways and that you didn't get a sense of the two-sidedness of it. Mm-hmm. You were rooting for them because you liked them as characters and you want them to succeed, Mm -hmm. but you didn't actually feel part of it in that I didn't want to see, you know, oh, yeah, he deserves it, he should suffer or or what have you. Or, you know, we're going against big business or... So let's drill down to the cast a bit. I mean, All right. Rihanna's so in it. And... That's the fun part. Yeah. So we've got Sandra Bullock. We've also got um, Kate Blanchett, obviously, as well. Um, Anne Hathaway, she plays the vapid starlet who is going to be wearing the diamonds. So she's uh-huh. kind of involved in that way. So she's kind of the big, their big ticket person who will get these very famous diamonds out of the lockdown vault where they've been held for the last 50 years. Um so she's her character is she does a really lovely job I think. Her character is really fun and interesting to watch and she could have been an absolute pain. So she really leans into that and does a really great job I think of. And I think it's a little tongue in cheek because I know there's a lot of Hathaway haters out there. And so she's kind of playing I, like I think what what she sees as maybe how the media likes to portray her sometimes, but maybe a little bit more. Oh, more she, was shiny. Col- she was great in Colossal. Yeah, I mean, oh and God. that's it. She's And, you know, she's been in Les Mis and whatnot and we've seen her in quite a lot of um, quite a lot of stuff. Some people say too much, but I, I'm with you. I like I like Anne Hathaway. Mindy Kaling, Carling? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so she plays a jeweller. She's also been in, she was in Inside Out um, and she's been in Wreck-It Ralph and she's also, she's got her own show, The Mindy Project. And so oh, yes, she's, no, yes. she's also in Wrinkle in Time. And but she's largely known more for her comedy and roles in sort of other comedians' um, projects and things like that. So she's involved too as um, a jeweler who is going to help repurpose these um, diamonds. Sarah Paulson. So she's probably. Um, I mean, she's one of the American Horror Story regulars, mm-hmm. um, and. She's also, I didn't realise this, but she's actually going to be in the upcoming Goldfinch adaptation, which I find very exciting. But she was also in, um, she's been in, what was I thinking of? She hasn't been in a lot of um, genre stuff, to be honest. Well, there's always got to be a few people who, uh, in these assemblages, who are not quite as well... Yeah. Credited as the others. Um, but she has been a lot of... She has... She's quite well known. She has been a lot of stuff. She's also in um, the American Crime Story, the OJ um, miniseries. Uh-huh. Um, Aquafina. So she's also in there as well. She plays kind of a street hustler, 
um, she's kind of the cool character. I'm not. Why has that... she got one name? Is she a singer? Yeah, so she's actually. <laughs> a, I think that in her bio it says television personality, singer, rapper, yeah, and yeah. actress. So, but, but so is Rihanna. So. Um, yeah, well, exactly. So she has been probably. Um, she hasn't been in very much, to be honest. I think she's got like a music career, and she's appearing in some more things. I think she's moving more into acting. Um, and so she, yeah, so she plays the street hustler character um, who's kind of the, you know, quick hands. Rihanna, as you mentioned, yes, she's in that as in this as well as the hacker. So you always need someone um, on the team who's going to be able to help you with security cameras and all that jazz. Um, she was in Battleship, that Absolutely. brilliant yes, film, that Battleship. Brilliant film. <laughs> um, and, you know, she does, obviously she's most well known for her music career, but she does bits and bobs. She's been on South Park and all that jazz. Um, uh, look, some of these characters don't have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all play, they're one cog in what is essentially like there's a large chunk of the movie which is you watching the heist happen, which is very enjoyable and pacey and interesting, but they're kind of just vehicles to have that happen. I wouldn't say I felt any of them had a backstory, definitely not, even much to do, like personality-wise, there really wasn't heaps. But I don't think that's what this movie was about and I actually do think that was part of its weakness. Like what we were talking about before of the two-sidedness of the coin, some of those invest the investment stuff wasn't quite there. Yeah. There's these are some things about Debbie's backstory. I mean, we get a little bit of that and some of it is relevant. I won't go too far into that. Um, but it's very surface level is something oh. that I found with this film that in some ways it's a lot of style um, and maybe not enough underneath to, uh-huh. to keep it, to make it special. I would expect there'd be oozing style and costumes and fashion. And it is, but that's what I mean, maybe too much, too much. of that, too much glitz and glamour. Because of the Met. You know. um, because even when I was watching a little bit of, re-watching a little bit of Ocean's Eleven, I think one of the core things I realised right away is that you, there's an emotional resonance or they're, they're really trying to, I don't know, just the tone was different. Um and lastly, there's Hela, Helena Bonham Carter. Mm-hmm. So she's in this as well. She's done heaps of stuff, um, obviously Tim Burton and otherwise. Um, I didn't mean to come out like that, but she's done a lot of <laughs> Tim Burton projects as well as being his wife. Yeah. Um, and she's in Fight Club, Sweeney Todd, yeah, yeah. also in Les Mis, Planet of the Apes, um, those Alice in Wonderland films and so on and so forth. Oh. And uh, she plays a designer, so obviously they need a designer on board who's going to dress Anne Hathaway's character um, and request that this diamond is a critical part of the ensemble. Gary Ross, the director. Yes, so yeah. I was getting to him. So we'll do the man last. Why so is he, it? Yeah, they're doing the last. He um, did direct this film, so he is not uh, connected with the original. No. Uh, not the original, I guess the George Clooney Oceans films. Mm-hmm. Um, but we probably know him best from Hunger Games. Sure. Well, I know him from Pleasantville, actually. From yeah, Pleasantville. and, you know, he did big. So he's been working yeah. for a long time. And, yeah, it's it's interesting, I think, because... Um, Why didn't they get... It would have been nice to have a female yeah. director. I feel like... I mean, I didn't, like, aggressively check the cast and crew. But, I mean, I do get the feeling that this is probably has been infused with a lot of um, female perspective. But, I, I mean, if you look at the the director and the writers, oh, no, there was a woman who helped write yeah, the screenplay. Yeah, Olivia Mitch. I mean, and it doesn't need to be, like, 
all women all the time. And, no, no. But it would have been nice for a project like this where the whole premise is that you're doing it and it's an all-women thing that a woman, a woman might get to direct it. But, you know, look. Well, what about the cameos? There's a lot of cameos in this There movie. are a lot of cameos. Oh, so I don't really want to dig into the cameos. No, 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 Some of them, they're mostly Met Gala cameos. Oh, okay. um, nothing too wild. It's a bit of fun. Like it's a bit of a where's Wally of, oh, look, that person. Oh, you know. So I'd probably be sitting there going, why is the camera focus in there? Who's I'm that? confident there's a couple that you would know. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of our crew of people and obviously it's an ensemble film and I love that it's a really diverse cast and there's people that have come from comedy and hmm. all kinds of different things and they obviously get along well. There's a really nice chemistry there. Um, overall thoughts? I think that it was a fun film. Mm-hmm. There is a twist, obviously, which I won't say more about, but, you know, that is core to the heist formula. Yeah. It is fun to watch everything unfold and I think there is an element of obviously it's ridiculous. Yeah. But you buy in enough to go along on the ride. Look, I like I said before, I think there's a lack of stakes. I don't think that you really feel like... It's basically they've got this awesome plan, they're all kick-ass, let's watch them do it. Mm. And then you do and it's fun. What's their, um, I was going to say, what's their motivation? What's their, uh, how do they film the heist? Do we get lots of split screens? Do we get lots of fast cuts simultaneously talking on our headsets? Yeah, so they do not a lot of the kind of swipey screen stuff. They do some of that. Um, but it's largely cutting from character to character and there's a lot of, there'll be a couple of them on the screen so you can kind of see what people are doing. But they're all playing very different roles, so they're all in different areas and sort of cutting between them. And it's quite a long sequence Mm -hmm. and it really is like a large chunk of the film. And I enjoy watching that played out, so I really did like that. Okay, so the procedural Um, was okay? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, there is a token man character. James Corden's in there as well. Forgot about him. And Richard Armitage. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he's the token piece of A, if you will. Um, Armitage, yeah. But (laughs) so that, but I just didn't really feel, for a heist movie, I want to be somewhat excited and I don't think my heart rate really went up at all at any point. And you want to get to that moment where you go, this is so cool. Yeah, or you're like, oh. And there were a few where you're like, oh, yeah, clever. Oh, oh, yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nothing to raise the heart rate. Um, And... in Sorry. conclusion, as well as insofar as squad comms go, it was cool and it was slick and I did love like Sandra Bullock can do no wrong. Love Kate everything Kate Blanchett wore in this was incredibly good. Uh but it actually wasn't that funny. Like I didn't Ooh. laugh. I I chuckled and I enjoyed it and and there were bits and pieces, but it's not but it's not playing for comedy. It's not like it fell yeah. flat. But it's not really but neither did Ocean's Eleven. Like it's not a comedy. But, but it should I have some zingers. It should have some zingers yeah. and there were maybe, there were some, but it could have maybe had a little bit more punch. But Gary Ross maybe necessarily isn't. He's not really a comedy director, so at least he didn't try to do something he's not good at. Mm. Um, overall, enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again, like, once it's out of the cinema, like if it's yeah. on Netflix or something. Um, I would recommend it. But as far as heist movies go, I don't think it's going to be remembered for being amazing. And I don't think it should be remembered just because it's all women. It should be remembered for being great. And it's only pretty good. Yeah, no, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But 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 
you know, it's fun. I did. I really enjoyed it. Okay. But um, I don't know. Maybe I wanted more excitement. Mm. That's all. In terms of, uh, I was just I was thinking about it while you were telling us the the story of um, Ocean's Eight. Uh, that uh, probably my one of my all time favourite heist movies would have to be The Sting. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. With Redford and Newman, which is actually a, a, a con yeah. movie, but because that I is just a good got con movie, all. though. Uh, you know something I've not seen, which I should, based on having a little poke around, is A uh, Fish Called Wanda. Oh, oh my God. I know. You have to yeah, see that. It's a core. That is enough of a great. Blake spot it's, in it's a funny heist movie. Yeah. You know. So I think I might. No, no perfect. I might crack into some of the. Um, the mm. old ones. So. Yeah, yeah. The old anyway. Ones. <laughs> <laughs> they are kind of old. Yeah, they're yeah, decades yeah. old. I'm yeah. allowed to say old. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I can't. I've ranted on about that for quite a while. The time's we've it's run out of time now. <laughs> and this is uh, Megan's last show for about three months? Yes. So I'm hopping off for three months. I've got some other commitments and then I shall be returning uh, in September. Yeah. Start so of September. So. <laughs> Usually in zero G terms, it's like I'm going to be serving at Her Majesty's pleasure. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll miss you. Uh, yeah, I'm miss... sure the audience will miss you as well. I'll definitely miss coming in here and I'll miss you, Rob, but I'm oh. sure we'll still correspond about the various things that come out and I'd be keen Absolutely. to hear your thoughts on because there's some good stuff coming out yes, soon. Yes, Jurassic World and Ant-Man and the Wasp and such and Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. So we will converse and maybe you can share some of my thoughts yes, if... Uh... Megan's going off on a landing party. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I look forward to returning in a few months. Yeah, we look forward to you returning. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Enjoy your holiday today. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.